Welcome to the Credit Union Roundtable, a show about everything credit unions. Now, here's your host, Walter Laskos. Welcome to Credit Union Roundtable. I'm Walt Laskos. In this episode, we'll hear from AARP's state director in New Hampshire, who will give us an update on the latest financial scams targeting seniors. We'll visit with folks at a senior community center to hear how they continue to provide support in the midst of a stay-at-home mandate. We'll talk with a couple credit union CEOs about their innovative efforts to serve members and their communities. And we'll also hear from the president CEO of the Defense Credit Union Council about April's month-long observance of military saves. But first, let's talk about all that anxiety and stress you've been feeling over the past several weeks, being all hunkered down to protect yourself, your family, and your loved ones from the COVID-19 virus. To help us in that effort, we have Dr. Linda McKenna-Gullen with us today. Dr. McKenna-Gullen is a professor of psychology at Marymount University in Arlington, Virginia. She earned her Ph.D. from the University of Pennsylvania and conducts research on autism spectrum disorder and other disabilities. She's a regular speaker and presenter, called upon frequently by the news media for interviews dealing with such topics as bullying, aging, and helping children and families cope with stressful events. Doctor, welcome to Credit Union Roundtable. Well, good afternoon. I am delighted to be with you. Well, listen, doctor, let's let's get right to it. You know, uh, we're already now several weeks uh, into the lockdown. We're all hunkered down at home. Some of us might be uh, in a listening audience having kids at home with us because there's no school. Some might be uh, living with their elderly parents or grandparents. You know, when you give give that kind of a scenario, given that scenario, and then given the fact of the pandemic and all that, is it... Is it a little weird or not normal if, if we're feeling a little stressed out at this time? I think it would be not normal to not feel stressed. <laughs> and, <laughs> I mean, um, yeah, I mean, most of us are used to having very established routines. Yes, elderly people are, children are, but I think every single one of us is used to having a routine. A routine gives us a sense of control over our day and over our life. I know that working professionals get up in the morning certain time, they get ready for work and so on. So we all have a routine that has been turned completely upside down and it affects some people more than others, but I'm willing to bet it has affected everyone out there. Yeah, I would, I would imagine so because, you know, and I think part of the, the anxiety that stems from all this is mm-hmm. the, is the unknown. You know, you keep on hearing, you know, when you hear Dr. Fauci or, or others on television talking, exactly. and, uh, you know, and a lot of the doctors are like, well, we don't really know, you know, and all that don't know causes some uncertainty and, and, and certainly anxiety for all of us. You're absolutely correct. So I, I, I want to talk about something that uh, I think a lot of us can understand, and that is having a sense of control over our lives and over our, our the way our day-to-day life goes. And with COVID-19, it produces so much uncertainty because we really don't know the when it will wrap up, 
We know that it will, but we don't know when. And we're really not sure what the true threat is. It's far-reaching and it's unpredictable. So why do I want to give a little piece of advice, and that is try not to catastrophize. And by, by that, I mean try not to think of the absolute worst possible scenario because we don't know that. So I want to um, encourage people to, to, getting back to that idea of control, try to control what you're able to control. So you cannot control when a vaccine will be developed or anything like that. We can't. Most of us can't. Most of us are just everyday people. But something you can control is how your day unfolds. And if you're lucky enough to be living with others, some people are alone. I'll get back to that a little bit bit later. Mm -hmm. But try to impose some degree of control over your life. And I um, want to start by saying is get yourself a routine. And that routine could include getting up at the same time every day. That routine could be eating a regular diet, not anything under the sun, not super quick or super quick uh, comfort food, although I'm guilty of that myself. But (laughs) try to control what you're able to control. Mm. Have you had that problem, Walt, with uh, well, I, you know, but, but you know, but you, but you're right. I mean, you have the comfort food, but when you talk about control, I think it's also right. very important. Like, how much television news are you watching? You know, how much of this bad news can you be taking in? Because I think, you know, that could get out of control, uh-huh. where it, where it causes you to get so upset and so frustrated at what you see exactly. happening, uh, and that causes anxiety. And that's the last thing you you don't want to be throwing wood on the fire to create more exactly. anxiety. Well, here's the thing. I think people have this kind of extra time. So what they do is they, they go in media overdrive and they watch everything that comes in. And here's a dirty little secret. Not everything that people view really comes from reliable sources. And I personally advise check in with the media maybe once, maybe twice a day and look at reliable sources. So for me, I will look at the information that comes from the CDC. That's it. Uh, Because that is the most up-to-date, the most objective, and it's distilled down so that we can all understand sort of what's going on today. I think what happens is we pay attention to negative information. Why? Because we're we're already done in the dumps to begin with. So what that does, it serves us with psychologists call a confirmation bias. You know, so you're already thinking negative outcomes and then you watch more material or listen to more material that is confirming your, your own anxiety about negative outcomes. And I say, stop that. Because in fact, we don't really know the outcomes. Mm-hmm. So that you have to, we have to be careful about that. And um, so the thing is, check the news, stick with reliable sources, but don't be obsessive about it. Yep. I, and, I, you're, uh, I mean, you're right yeah. on. You're right on target. I believe we're, we're talking with Dr. Linda McKenna Gullen. She's professor of psychology at Marymount University in Arlington, Virginia. And and Doctor, when, you know, we talked earlier about you know getting a routine, the whole bit. Well, exactly. well, how do we? You know, do you have any tips for those uh, those in the listening audience 
who might have elderly parents or grandparents living with them because it seems like a lot of seniors, they like to have their, their routine. You know, they're regimented at this time of day, I do this, this time I do that. When, when you have such uncertainty, a lot of times, you know, sometimes it, it, you know, being a little bit more fluid is, it, it, it is uh, maybe beneficial. How, how, do, how, do one, how do we deal with folks that might be a little bit more kind of, quote, set in their ways in, in, in dealing with them? Well, first, don't we all understand that? So I want to start by saying communicate to your loved one. I understand exactly how it feels. I have four sons, and one of my sons has autism spectrum disorder, and one of the characteristics of autism is rigid adherence to routine, and this has made his life upside down, too. So what I've had to do is try to structure his day and make it predictable. So first, empathize. Second, do whatever you can to make it predictable. And you're going to have to be flexible, but be creative. I also want to um, uh, put a little sort of uh, warning out that we should look out for people who maybe maybe not the elderly as much, but also people who have mental health problems or substance abuse problems or are having a tough time. And I want to say that your mental health is more important than anything, more important than accomplishing things, more important than than, um, anything that we can do. So whatever it takes to make sure that people are doing okay. And that means checking in on someone who might have some anxiety or might, might be depressed. I have, you know, I'm a college professor and I have students who really need me to give them a call every once in a while just to check in to make sure they're doing okay. Nothing Mm -hmm. is more important than that. And I would imagine that's very, very important, particularly if someone is living all by themselves, living alone, Uh, because then you're not, you're not just dealing with being alone, but you're dealing with loneliness as well. And a person in that state in in dealing with all the, the ramifications of a pandemic could really be, uh, you know, have negative, negative impact on that person. I agree. Check in with those people. Check in with them. I, I, I can't say that enough. Check in with people who might be vulnerable that way. It, it's, it's very important. You know, I think it's obviously a very good time when you start thinking about it uh, to be a good Samaritan. Um, and particularly when you, you look at dealing with stress, dealing with anxiety, we're confronted with the unknowns of this pandemic. But if we focus, like you were saying, too, on, you know, on, uh, say, the silver lining that what we could find in life and, and trying to mm-hmm. bring, bring that type of silver lining to, to, to folks, checking in on people who might be alone. Uh, I heard of a, a family uh, had a next door neighbor who was a you know, person all by themselves. And basically, they prepared uh, an Easter platter for for that individual and made sure that he was able to, and they left it at his front door and so that he could get it and have dinner as well. Uh, you know, but to, uh, little things like that, I think, yeah, at I a time yeah, like this. Yes, yeah, and, and I think they yeah. really make a big impact, don't they? And I want to tell you something. So the people gathering together to make a meal for that elderly person or that person who is isolated in my opinion, everyone's a winner. So the person living alone got a meal, but didn't everyone else get some benefits too from doing that? I mean, it's, um, 
I mean, I, I think the effect of altruism has, has really positive emotional feedback to us. And now we have some room in our lives to, to bring that in. Mm-hmm. So exactly. hooray for, the, for that community who did that. Hooray yeah. for them. Uh, doctor, we have about maybe two minutes left. Uh, sure. let's, let's focus a little bit maybe on some tips to relieve stress. You know, uh, I, I know mm-hmm. we, we talked about some of them about looking for, you know, good opportunities for us to be a good Samaritan. Uh, how is it like, you know, diet, sleep? Uh, how, how do factors right. like that play into helping, uh, let's say, for remedies to reduce stress? Yes. Let's start with imposing a routine that we are able to, like adequate rest. I, uh, I, I, the human brain is programmed to sleep between seven to nine hours a night, not any more than that. That's too much and not any less than that. Our human brain is also wants to sleep when the sun goes down. There's a little hormone that gets released in the brain that says it's time to shut down. So first, try that. So try to sleep at a normal time for a normal number of hours and get out of bed uh, when, when, it, when the sun comes up. That will do wonders for your mood and for your physical health and your mental health. So that's definitely a, a tip. Try to supply yourself, if, if you're at all able, with healthy snacks, uh, treats every once in a while, but make sure you have access to that and drink lots of water. So take good care of yourself. And so that's one thing. Build in some treats for yourself during the day that are not, you know, that are, are something that, that you really enjoy. I, I'm not a big movie watcher, but I, I've been watching this series on Netflix and I give myself one hour in the evening to treat myself. Again, it's all part of building a routine, find things to look forward to, um, get adequate rest. And I want to encourage everybody to exercise. Exercise also has excellent effects on our mood and on our mental and physical health. So find something you like to do. That could be just putting on music from high school and dancing. Or it could be, you know, taking your dog out. Or it could be doing some videos, exercise videos. Build that into your life, too. Again, what you're trying to do is exercise as much control over your well-being as you can because nothing is more important right now than taking care of ourselves. Nothing is. Perfect. I thank you so much, Dr. Linda McKenna-Gullen, for your words of advice and uh, encouragement. And don't be surprised if you see a lot of folks throughout New England dancing around every day to relieve their stress and, and to revel in the fact that we are humans and that together we will get through this. Thank you for being part of our program uh, today. You're very welcome. My pleasure. Take care. Up next, we'll talk with Todd Fahey, State Director for AARP in New Hampshire. First, this break. You're listening to Credit Union Roundtable on the Better Values, Better Banking Media Network. This is the Credit Union Roundtable. We're all doing our part to help prevent the spread of the coronavirus, like washing our hands, covering our cough or sneeze, and maintaining a safe social distance. Credit unions are doing their part, too. drive through teller stations, ATMs, debit and credit cards, and banking apps give members continuous access to their accounts and at the same time ensure everyone's safety. Like always, when times get tough, credit unions are there for you. We stand stronger together. 
Today's challenging times may be frightening, but there's comfort in knowing that working together, we will prevail. As in the past, when times got tough, credit unions continue to stand strong, working to serve our members while at the same time keeping our staff and you safe. Our credit union banking apps, ATMs, debit and credit cards, and online banking services continue to meet your banking needs 24-7. Credit union drive through teller stations offer additional access to your accounts. Working together, we can ensure the promise tomorrow will bring. Learn more about credit unions anytime at bettervaluesbetterbanking.com. Now, back to the show. Watching and listening to the news today, we all know that the coronavirus does not discriminate when it comes to its victims. All of us are at risk. However, some of us more so than others. Seniors are particularly at risk, though, especially those in community living settings and nursing homes. Todd Fahey is on the line with me now from Concord, New Hampshire. Todd is the state director for AARP. Todd, from your perspective at AARP New Hampshire, what are you hearing right now? How are seniors faring throughout the Granite State and everyone's efforts to stay safe from the pandemic? Well, of course, the seniors are bearing up it's well under the, uh, the stress of this. Uh, it's a great generation and uh, certainly a, um, a great group of people who are um, trying to navigate this as we all are. Things we're hearing a lot about is obviously concern um, about personal safety, uh, concern about contracting the virus, because as you know, most of what we're hearing is that this is falling uh, particularly heavily upon the older population. So those over 60 and those with underlying medical conditions. And just, just today in the last few days, um, you know, uh, obviously mid-April, you're seeing uh, the incidence of um, people uh, who are passing from this virus. And they tend to be in that demographic, and quite a few of them are in, in um, institutional facilities as well. Yeah, I would imagine that particularly within, uh, you know, institutional facilities or, uh, you know, senior housing that it really has to be challenging because you hear all the stories going on right now about, uh, you know, a lot of the seniors within those confined areas. They, I mean, they really have to, you know, practice that, uh, what is it, social distancing. Social distancing, yeah, for sure. And so I think the fact of it is is there are um, many facilities in New Hampshire that are, are top-rated facilities. So this is not to say that it's uh, any uh, failing necessarily of our fine nursing homes and assisted living facilities. It's just the nature of this virus that anybody in an institutional confined setting, whether it be a nursing home, um, a cruise ship, uh, a jail, a prison, um, this thing passes with a particular speed and viciousness in those types of settings. Yeah, you know, and and you're right, Todd. I mean, it's not simply just within the state of New Hampshire, but I mean, we're seeing indications of this throughout all 50 states throughout the country. Uh, of just the viciousness, as you say, of the of the uh, of the virus itself, COVID nineteen, and and the kind of toll it's taking on the population. Um, you know, when when you look at um, senior safety, well, you know, from I think from the AARP uh, perspective, as well as from uh, a credit union perspective, as as you know, everyone knows. Um, our credit unions are doing a lot these days, focusing on elder financial exploitation, uh, trying to keep uh, seniors safe. I mean, my God, at, at, at this time, when you start thinking about, and you tell me what you hear, Todd, but you know, when you think about all the, the checks coming in from the government right now, we're in tax season, uh, you have uh, you know, people looking for a, a surefire cure you know, to, the, to the virus, the pandemic. 
I mean, fraudsters and scammers, they must be like living their dream right now, I would imagine, right? Yeah, I don't often um, I don't often use disparaging words on radio or in any uh, media interviews, and I'm blessed <laughs> to have many, many opportunities to, to have in, interviews. We have uh, 225,000 members of AARP in New Hampshire, and, and I'm honored to speak for them. Um, and, and when I do, you know, I, I try to be measured in my language. But here's what I'm going to say. Those people, despicable. I can use that word. I'll use it again. Maybe you can use it. It's despicable. This is, you know, obviously the worst crisis most of us have ever seen in our lives. And to think that people would profit from it or seek to profit from it is just, a, it's a reprehensible conduct. And if I could use stronger words, I would, but I won't. Um, so here's the council. Uh, we have a, a lot of resources, aarp.org slash coronavirus, aarp.org forward slash coronavirus. And you'll see we have information relative to questions you might ask if you have a loved one in a nursing home or whether you're trying to select a nursing home. Um, if you're a caregiver, um, and if you're a person just frankly concerned about being defrauded, Walter, as you say, these are, these are places to go. Um, there is no cure right now, as far as we know, um, and people who are peddling, and if there is a cure, it's not going to come to you with a telemarketer or a phishing scam on your email. So be, be fear, be, be, be forewarned. And the last thing I would say to people is that there's something called the ether. If you would just give me a second to explain this, the mm -hmm. ether is, it's a heightened emotional state. Now, the thing about this is right now, I would say most Americans, right, regardless of age, are in somewhat of a heightened emotional state. Not everybody may agree to admit it, but everybody's in some emotional state relative to their health, their, the nature of the world, the resumption of normal life, or their finances. And, and, and so these fraudsters, these con artists, and they call them artists for a reason, but there's no beauty in it, but there's artistry in it. <laughs> is that they, they exploit this ether, this heightened emotional state. So if you're, if you're worried about money, they try to explain to you, hey, here's the surefire way for me to solve your money problems. If you're worried about your health or COVID-19, uh, AKA the coronavirus, here's the solution. Folks, listen, it's not okay. It's not, it, those, are, those are scams. And if you, before you do anything, take a breath, don't act. Um, if it's too good to be true, it probably is. Go to aarp.org, coronavirus, or many other websites, the FTC's website, the New Hampshire Attorney General's office website. You'll see many, many postings for warning people in these types of things. So the simple best advice I can give here, folks, is um, take a breath. Don't act right away. This, this, if this is a real opportunity, it's going to be available tomorrow when you've gotten better information. And we're talking with Todd Fahey. Uh, Todd is the New Hampshire State Director for AARP. And Todd, uh, when you look at some of these financial scams and all that, I, I know AARP has, I believe it's called the Fraud Watch Network. Can you tell us a little exactly. bit about that? Sure. The Fraud Watch Network is a, um, a website and a kind of a national um, uh, network, if you will, to share learnings and to help people educate themselves about scams that are happening in their communities and what a scam looks like. So we, we often say that offense is a good defense. And in this situation, if you see the scam coming and you can, you can avoid it or not be caught up in it, then uh, you're infinitely better off. It's, it's very, very hard once this money is gone to get your money back. I won't say impossible, <clears throat> but very, very difficult. I was 21 years a practicing lawyer. I can tell you it's hard to get money in the best of cases. People are siphoning your money offshore to find that money. Or once you, you know, send the check, it's very hard to get it back. So 
the fraud watch network is a way to just help identify scams, provide people with information about the scams, but also it, 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 there's a map. There are some maps that populate where different scams are happening. So it's kind of a neat place for people to go to educate themselves about uh, what's happening on the scam world. So it just helps you stay a, a, a step ahead of the scam artists. And I know uh, we could also get the uh, information and links to be able to access uh, AARP's uh, Fraud Watch Network. Uh, obviously, on your website, uh, Todd, in New Hampshire, and, and can you share the uh, the, the URL, the, the address for that sure. website? Sure. Sure. So people should go and feel free to go to AARP. Um, our website, national website, is chock information. It's busy. Uh, AARP.org slash NH. You go to New Hampshire and you can see our, our individual website in New Hampshire. You can follow us on Facebook, um, AARP.org, um, you know, AARP New Hampshire on Facebook, um, and on Twitter as well as uh, at AARPNH. And what we tend to do is we push out a lot of information um, that uh, has a national uh, national origin, a national focus, but oftentimes it's localized to New Hampshire. So when Granite Staters see it, they'll understand what it looks like. And uh, we, we'd encourage anybody who's interested to do just that. Todd, uh, thank you so much for being with us today. And thank you for all the, the good work that AARP is doing, uh, you know, for all the folks and the seniors up in New Hampshire and, and for, for sharing a lot of the resources uh, with us today for our program. Appreciate you being with us. Walter, thank you for having me. Uh, to all of our, to all your listeners, thanks for listening. All the AARP members, thanks for being members. Do check it out, aarp.org slash coronavirus. We're working hard on uh, multiple things to us through this. Thanks, Todd, and you stay safe. Likewise. That was Todd Fahey, State Director for AARP New Hampshire. Up next, we'll visit a senior community center in Draket, Massachusetts, and also hear a story or two how credit unions are trying to make a difference in the lives of their members and their communities. You're listening to Credit Union Roundtable on the Better Values, Better Banking Media Network. We'll be back to the Credit Union Roundtable after this. Today's challenging times may be frightening, but there's comfort in knowing that working together, we will prevail. As in the past, when times got tough, credit unions continue to stand strong, working to serve our members while at the same time keeping our staff and you safe. Our credit union banking apps, ATMs, debit and credit cards, and online banking services continue to meet your banking needs 24-7. Credit union drive through teller stations offer additional access to your accounts. Working together, we can ensure the promise tomorrow will bring. We're all doing our part to help prevent the spread of the coronavirus, like washing our hands, covering our cough or sneeze, and maintaining a safe social distance. Credit unions are doing their part, too. Drive-through teller stations, ATMs, debit and credit cards, and banking apps give members continuous access to their accounts and at the same time ensure everyone's safety. Like always, when times get tough, credit unions are there for you. We stand stronger together. Now, back to the Credit Union Roundtable with Walter Laskos. Imagine being a director of a senior center today that has been closed because of the statewide stay-at-home mandate. Well, Draket Senior Center in Draket, Massachusetts is typically a beehive of activities serving senior citizens. And now, well, let's just find out what life is like at the center. Joining us is Bethany Loveless, Director, Council on Aging at the Drake at Senior Center. 
and Allison Hughes, Community Engagement Officer at John Dark Credit Union in Lowell, Massachusetts. And Bethany, under normal circumstances, how many seniors typically participate in the programs offered at the Drake at Senior Center? We record that we are in contact with about 1,500 seniors on a yearly basis. Our average uh, daily attendance is in the 80s. Wow, so that that really is engaging. And I know having visited the center that, uh, as I said before, it's typically a beehive of activities. If you would, could you briefly name some of the programs and services that you offer to seniors? Uh, We are both a community center for seniors, but also a social service agency. We have a litany of fitness and wellness classes, art and handcraft classes, special events and educational seminars. At the same time, we run a transportation program and provide services and referrals. Of course, you know, among all those programs, I I know you have bingo, right? Which I'm sure is very, very popular. Oh, absolutely. And uh, arts and crafts. uh, You know, I I think you, don't you also lead one of those programs in uh, uh, arts and crafts? I'm definitely doing that as part of the new stuff that we were rolling out, that's for sure. <laughs> there you go. And I know I know another program that is very popular is a breakfast, a veteran's breakfast. Allison, I know that you and Jean d'Arc are part of that. Tell us, what was the breakfast like before the virus and what's it like now? Before the virus, we would go every, the first Tuesday of each month, three or four of us in the credit union, and we would cook breakfast starting at 7.30 in the morning, and we'd make the entire breakfast, whether it was pancakes, eggs, French toast, and we would serve it to the veterans at 9 o'clock. And it's always a a great event. It's well attended, anywhere from 60 to 120 people. We also usually bring in some sort of entertainment. We've had musicians and magicians and historians and it's a nice way for us to be involved in the community and to give back to the Veterans Center. Yeah, but since our last breakfast on March 10th, we've had to kind of regroup and reorganize. Yeah, well, I know that, you know, the challenges that we face today, you know, exactly with the breakfast. But I saw in, in the schedule coming up that a popular attraction for the breakfast is still going to participate. What was it? A, a singing patrolman, I believe it is? Yes, we have a the state trooper here in Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tell, tell us about him because he's very popular, right? He absolutely is. He's a retired Marine and a, sti- a retired state trooper who's got an amazing voice. And uh, his career now is uh, singing and um, just really rouses the crowd. He is terrific. That, that's wonderful. You know, uh, I would say that even though, you know, the seniors and, and all across Massachusetts, you know, we're all under that mandate to stay at home. Given that environment and given those kind of restrictions for for traveling, social distancing and all that sort of thing. Um, but for both, this question is for both of you. How, how are you continuing to engage seniors with activities and services at the center? I'm, I know that you were talking about earlier referencing how you're doing uh, an arts and crafts class, Bethany, and, and, and it's, you know, you have to be innovative, you have to be creative today, but, but share how you're overcoming some of those difficulties. Well, the tough part for our seniors is their life of social isolation might look very different than yours and mine. I am isolated, but I'm with my husband, I'm with my son. It's a totally different feeling than someone who has 
their own home and apartment and either they never married or their spouse has already passed. For some of them, isolation really is solitary. And so we've done our best to come up with some creative ways to engage seniors over multiple platforms because we know not all of our seniors are on the internet. So we've tried to engage seniors uh, through video conferencing, but also through just a plain old telephone conference and then uh, programming through our local access TV, uh, DATV. And Bethany has also been very creative because they've also been able to use Meals on Wheels to pass out information to the seniors because they're still serving meals, lunch, um, five days a week, and their numbers have increased with the number of people in isolation. Yeah, I would imagine because, yeah I, I, yeah, I was going to say because today, you know, when you have a lot of folks might typically go to the grocery store and go shopping, but with, you know, the stay at home mandate and a lot of them, you know, basically being a vulnerable, uh, let's say, part of the population that could be susceptible to, uh, you know, the virus, uh, I'm sure that they don't want to leave their, their, their home, or, you know, or their apartment. So uh, I could imagine, you know, having food is going to be very important, but, but you guys are addressing that need. Yes, uh, there's definitely been an increase in the amount of people requesting Meals on Wheels. And Meals on Wheels can provide not only a hot lunch, but also a cold supper or frozen meals that can be heated up over the weekend. So it really can combat uh, food insecurity. And we are still um, providing transportation to the grocery store. We're going at the super early morning senior hours, and we're limiting how many people are on our bus at a time. And also there's grocery shopping available through Elder Services of the Merrimack Valley. Uh, They are um, vetting volunteer grocery shoppers who can take a senior's list and a grocery shop for them. We really also encourage uh, those people who have family that are more tech savvy. If you're ordering groceries for yourself, call your seniors in your life who might not be able to order groceries online. Ask them what their grocery order is. Order for both of you guys and just drop it off at their doorstep. Wonderful. Well, you know, Bethany, uh, Allison, it was a pleasure having you uh, with us today on Credit Union Roundtable. Uh, Before I let you go, if we have someone, uh, our our listeners uh, want more information about the Drake at Senior Center, uh, where can they go to get that information? If somebody is online, then the best thing to go is to the Town of Drake website. Under departments, they would choose Council on Aging our most recent newsletter with all the different at-home programming that we are providing is available there. People can always call us at the center. We're at 978-957-2611. And although we are not at our offices, we are able to retrieve our messages and return messages from our home offices. Thank you so much, Bethany and Allison. Appreciate it. God bless. Stay well. Stay safe. Thank you so much, Walter. Thank you too. so much. You as well. Bethany Loveless, Director, Council on Aging, Drake at Senior Center, and Allison Hughes, Community Engagement Officer at Jean d'Arc Credit Union. Now let's go to Athol Credit Union in Athol, Massachusetts, to hear its CEO, Courtney Fifield, share a story of how his credit union began to make face masks, which were then donated to the local hospital. Yeah, it started as sitting at home, I think it was a Sunday morning. And, you know, I was thinking for my generation, I'm 41, this is this is the biggest event that's ever happened. 
And I was thinking back to all the contributions, you know, maybe our grandparents had made in, in their, their way of life. And I thought, you know, what can we do? And meanwhile, uh, we were in the process of kind of slowing operations, closing down the, um, the, the branches operating just through the tower lines. And I was thinking we have plenty of manpower uh, that is normally interacting with people one-on-one. -on -one. And I said, how do we reconvert some of their efforts? And uh, I was thinking of this one person in particular named Sherry, and she's very crafty. And um, you, know, you go into her, her office and she's just got all this handmade stuff in there. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to message her and see if she thinks we could make some masks. You know, it just seemed like a, a very Rosie the Riveter type of thing for us to do. <laughs> so I texted her and uh, it's a Saturday or Sunday afternoon. And she said, you know what? I'm already thinking about it. I was going to do it from home. And uh, she's like, I'm looking at the mask type. So I said, well, you know, here's a couple resources. So I went out, uh, I watch a, um, a web blog every day that's put on by um, the, the Haywood Healthcare System. And they had mentioned that they had posted uh, designs for uh, people making these masks at home. So I forwarded her the information. Uh, and I think in the back of my mind, one thing that was driving why we could do this is because we had cases of these um, uh, grocery, reusable grocery bags. And it came to my attention that they're actually made out of uh, non-woven polypropylene, which is a great material suited for creating masks and mask covers just because of the dynamics of how they don't absorb uh, water and they're, they're good with uh, not transmitting vapors. Mm -hmm. So that they're good material for this. So I was thinking that we would do those types of masks with material we had on hand and we could repurpose. Uh, and Sherry was more comfortable working with materials she knew. And we had, um, she had a whole stockpile of stuff she'd been saving for a day like this or retirement. And I had uh, went out and bought some, some materials myself that I donated. And then we, um, the credit union actually picked up a few sewing machines and we were anticipating having more staff do them but then we found out that it's a pretty complicated sew pattern and so uh she had said you know it'd be best if she did the sewing so we had people uh helping out any way they could cutting fabric or um you know uh turning the material you know, sew it in one position and spin it and uh sew the the final stitches uh so we were kind of working a few people here and there helping her so basically like you know through the credit union roughly how many masks uh were you able to produce so uh operating out of the branch, we produced about 200. Uh, and then the materials that we have donated will produce 900 masks. Jeez, so, please. and then uh, since that started, we've uh, been able to resource some of the material. So hopefully that will be coming in uh, in the, the next week or so, and they're going to be able to continue on. Thank you, Courtney, for sharing your story and pitching in to make a big difference in your community. From Athol, Massachusetts, let's go east to the city of Revere and hear how John Kingston, manager at Revere Municipal Employees Federal Credit Union, came up with a clever solution to provide banking services to members and do so without having a drive-through teller window. Um, basically, there's an exit door not too far from where our office is located in the basement of City Hall. City Hall is a 100-year-old building, um, 
so it, it, it's a beautiful brick building. It, it's nice from the street, but it's a very old building and doesn't have a lot of uh, combinations, so to speak. And we obviously don't have a drive-through because it's a municipal building. Um, and what I was doing was meeting people at the outside door and kind of reaching my arm through the door. And I really didn't find it to be very safe for me or the member. Mm-hmm. They had closed the building, so I didn't want to cause anyone a problem. I was afraid of, you know, opening and closing the door all the time. It really wasn't the greatest thing. So I stood outside the the door and kept looking around and saw. I've been in this building for 20 years. I've been with the credit union for 20 years, and I never noticed this potential window, so to speak, to the right of the door. Hmm. So I grabbed the superintendent of public works and I said, "Do you mind if I clear this area where the window is and possibly use it to help people?" And he said. Oh, John, sure. Well, let me get some custodial help to help you. The custodians helped me a lot. They moved all the stuff, and I reached out to the uh, school department that has a maintenance staff, and I said, could you guys give me a hand? I'm trying to open a telewindow to help people. So everybody kind of jumped on it. They realized that they were helping the credit union. We, they're all members, and they're all very helpful people, and they wanted to help their fellow coworkers and help everybody get their money. Well, that's wonderful. I mean, it really sounds like, you know, like, you know, the, the credit union model is people helping people, and here you have a scenario where you wanted to make sure that members still had access to their account and to their funds and uh, and be able to serve them but do it so in a safe manner and it sounds like you and you know the staff from maintenance and all everyone came together to make it happen it's been a big help and it's really worked out well and i'm um, I'm, I'm happy to have it john thank you so much for sharing your story with us on credit union roundtable thank you I, I appreciate the time and good luck to everyone stay safe coming up after the break we'll go to washington dc to hear how credit unions observe military saves month Stay with us. You're listening to Credit Union Roundtable on the Better Values, Better Banking Media Network. This is the Credit Union Roundtable on the Better Values, Better Banking Media Network. We're all doing our part to help prevent the spread of the coronavirus, like washing our hands, covering our cough or sneeze, and maintaining a safe social distance. Credit unions are doing their part, too. drive through teller stations, ATMs, debit and credit cards, and banking apps give members continuous access to their accounts and at the same time ensure everyone's safety. Like always, when times get tough, credit unions are there for you. We stand stronger together. Today's challenging times may be frightening, but there's comfort in knowing that working together, we will prevail. As in the past, when times got tough, credit unions continue to stand strong, working to serve our members while at the same time keeping our staff and you safe. Our credit union banking apps, ATMs, debit and credit cards, and online banking services continue to meet your banking needs 24-7. Credit union drive-through teller stations offer additional access to your accounts. Working together, we can ensure the promise tomorrow will bring. Now, back to the Credit Union Roundtable with Walter Laskos. And welcome back to our program. We have with us now Anthony Hernandez. Anthony is the president and CEO of the Defense Credit Union Council in Washington, D.C. Anthony, welcome back to Credit Union Roundtable. Thanks, Walter. It's a pleasure to be here. Hey, listen, Anthony, before we talk a little bit about Military Saves Month, which is uh, kind of observed during the month of April. Let's start first about reminding everyone that's listening, what is the role of the Defense Credit Union Council in Washington, D.C.? Yeah, thanks, Walt. We've uh, been in existence since 1963, and we're the uh, single focal point for uh, credit unions that are located on every major installation around the world. You know, we advocate for our members uh, on Capitol Hill and inside the Pentagon, 
you know, on issues that uh, that pertain to credit unions and how they operate. Um, you know, and I like our motto, it's serving those who serve our country because the members that we're focused on are members of our military, veterans, and their families. And that's ultimately, uh, you know, where we uh, center a lot of our policies and advocacy. And so that's the purpose of the Defense Credit Union Council. And obviously during the month of April, um, there's a, a whole kind of special observance that's put together called Military Saves Month. Tell us a little bit about what that is and what its objective is. Yeah, Military Saves Month is, a, a, well, it's new. It used to be a week, and we've expanded it to a month now because just to take care of lots of different activities or accommodate different schedules. The idea is to encourage people to save. You know, and we, we call it Military Saves Week because we focus on on our military members and, and our veterans. And the purpose is to educate members and their families on the importance of savings, why you would need to do that. And then we, uh, we always take pledges that people will pledge to commit to save, you know, each year. And that pledge is a, you know, definitive statement that they make at the outset. And there's a bunch of different, uh, activities, uh, um, that are, uh, that are available for, uh, for people to go learn how to do that. You know, whether it's uh, um, putting money away from, you know, for little kids into a, into a piggy bank and you know, learning how the, what the value of money is uh, for, for uh, parents to, you know, set aside the extra from their tax, uh, tax returns or, or different special pays that they get in the military. But the overall emphasis is that we got to teach our, our country, you know, and our society how to become savers. You know, Anthony, representing... Uh, so many of the military-related uh, credit unions. Why is it so important that uh, that the credit unions are are really kind of endorsing and promoting a whole concept of military saves? Well, part of that is it's in our ethos, you know, people helping people, and you know, there's a business aspect aspect to that for sure. You know, we want our our members to you know be able to save their money and, and give them the opportunity to do that, and whether they they uh, put money into a savings account or they need to borrow temporarily. Financial education is very important. But when we teach our members how to save, we're also guaranteeing their financial futures, which in turn makes the credit unions more successful, which in turn makes their community successful and the society at large successful. So we see ourselves as an integral part in the community chain uh, with helping uh, affect a lot of these savings goals. All right, I see. I understand, and and you know, being that it is observed during the course of the whole month of April, uh, I understand that it's broken down to like different uh, themes or topics each week. If if you could share uh, a little uh, insights into how the program is rolled out during the course of the month, sure. So each week has has a different theme. I mean, the first week, uh, which which was actually just four days, it was how to automatically save. Uh, the week we're heading into, which will be uh, April 13th through 18th, it's, uh, you know, the theme is saving for the unexpected. You know, do you have an emergency savings fund? And that's always important for uh, every member. And we, you know, we promote having between three and saving up to have three or six months worth of savings. Um, week four will be learning how to save with a plan. And that's how do you set up a plan to get that? It's not, it's one thing to have a goal and, and having a pledge for a, for saving, but learning how to set up a plan each month or each week or each pay pay period 
um, to hit your goals. And then the last week, uh, I believe, you know, week that uh, we're in right now for the program, it's uh, learn how to save by paying down debt. Now that sounds counterintuitive, but that's very, uh, that, that really helps with your savings goal because the more you pay off debt, then the more money you return to the family, uh, the family piggy bank to save and invest even larger sums as you pay down that debt. And so we see all these activities in each of these weeks as important building blocks for the overall goal of military saves. And we're talking with Anthony Hernandez, president and CEO of the Defense Credit Union Council. Uh, Anthony, for each of the credit unions, on, on, let's say a credit union at the, at the local base, the kind of activities that they were doing, I take it that it's typical credit union activities that you usually see where they have maybe uh, class sessions or mailers or I guess there's various ways that they kind of fuel this effort each week. Yeah, well, well traditionally what we would do during during the week and now, you know, now the month is we would have seminars and, you know, people could come in and, and uh, set up appointments with the finance, you know, with DOD financial counselors, with the with credit union there at their side, you know, with different programs and just teach them how to save. What I really liked when I was a commander was we had a whole community focus. And so we had school-aged kids come into the, into the, uh, into one of the, uh, one of the gyms and we would, you know, all the kids would paint their own piggy bank. You hmm. know, and the activity was, is to teach kids the importance of savings. And we have, you know, different games centered around uh, each age group. And so, Maybe your, uh, your your high schoolers would have a, a jobs fair where, where they would, by, by luck of the draw, they'd be handed a career with a certain amount of income. And then they had to go, you know, one first thing they had to go do was pay their taxes, and that took a huge amount out of their paycheck. And then they had to go pay for, you know, items like housing, um, a car payment, gas, uh, food. Uh, and what it taught them is at the very end of that, you have very little, but you have enough to set aside to save. And so at each age group, that's what I liked about these fairs, was that they were very educational. They were building blocks uh, along a con- an age continuum um, so that people and families could do these things together. Mm-hmm. Um, what's unique about this month is that, uh, um, you know, hopefully we're getting close to it coming out of this lockdown that we're in nationwide. But you can still do similar events. And so, you know, Military Saves has a digital toolkit for our credit unions to employ you know, during this present crisis uh, with COVID-19. And they can, uh, they can shift from in-person events to online events, you know, using webinars, uh, Facebook live events, Twitter chats, or even giving the kids something to do while they're at home. You know, there's lots of different ways we can still accomplish the same goal um, if we can't do it in person. And so there's great opportunity um, here in April 2020 uh, to make that happen. Sounds re- it sounds really great. And also, you know, to me, it, it impresses upon me how uh, uh, deep the, the program goes and it reaches all ages. And I think it's also something that I know, uh, Anthony, you mentioned in, in earlier times being with us on the program, that uh, it's not just only the military credit unions, but we have veterans uh, that belong to credit unions all throughout uh, all the states of our listening audience. And, and it's important to, uh, for them to hear what, what's going on and what continues to be done uh, in service to the military and to them actually as veterans as well. Absolutely. I've always believed that virtually every credit union in the country has at least one veteran. And a lot of these veterans, you know, are grandparents. 
And so, you know, there's a saying that I learned in the military is why do old men plant trees that mm-hmm. they will never enjoy the shade? It's for the succeeding generations, right? Mm-hmm. You want to set your legacy. Well, I look at developing a, uh, you know, planting a savings tree for the youth and teaching families how to do that is very important for the structure of our society uh, to succeed in future generations. And so for our veterans that are in credit unions, you know, whether they're a, de- a defense credit union or, or a non-defense uh, credit union, there are still opportunities for people to get involved in not just Military Saves Week, but America Saves Week you know, the broader picture, and they can take advantage of a lot of the same programs that uh, we advocate through our partnership with Military Saves. Wonderful. Anthony, for for more information about Military Saves Month or the Defense Credit Union Council, where where should uh, someone go? Well, you can go to the dcuc.org website, and under the Financial Education tab, you can go to Financial Education Partners and find Military Saves. Or you can just put type military saves in your browser and it'll give you the same militarysaves.org website. And there are tons of resources and activities that you can take advantage of. Um, even everything I just talked about, you know, the different weeks and the different activities that are set aside and messages. That's a great resource for people to use in developing their uh you know, military saves uh, activities. Um, again, it can be a family event too. And so there's lots of things out there for just about everybody uh, in our great country. Anthony Hernandez, uh, President and CEO of the Defense Credit Union Council. Thank you so much for being with us and for sharing uh, insights into Military Saves Month. Thank you, Walter. And that wraps up this edition of Credit Union Roundtable. For all the credit unions throughout Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, and Delaware, I'm Walt Laskos. Thanks for joining us. This concludes the Credit Union Roundtable on the Better Values, Better Banking Media Network. For more information about local credit unions in your state, visit bettervaluesbetterbanking.com. That's bettervaluesbetterbanking.com. Today's challenging times may be frightening, but there's comfort in knowing that working together, we will prevail. As in the past, when times got tough, credit unions continue to stand strong, working to serve our members while at the same time keeping our staff and you safe. Our credit union banking apps, ATMs, debit and credit cards, and online banking services continue to meet your banking needs 24-7. Credit union drive through teller stations offer additional access to your accounts. Working together, we can ensure the promise tomorrow will bring. 